Welcome back to the Content That Grows podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Alina Benny of Aura. Alina is a user-first content SEO marketer and Resolute Internet Security Advocate as Aura's head of content. Outside of her advisory role at Gong, Alina is also uh, a mentor with First Round Capital and Yale. Alina, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Happy to be here. Excited to jump in. Uh, So we're really going to be talking about all things... Uh, building content teams today, which is something that Alina's had experience with, uh, both hands-on as well as uh, on the advising side. So with that, um, would love to just kind of understand um, what does the content team look like at Aura and like how did it grow over time? Uh, so this is an interesting story uh, because there was no organic SEO content team at Aura until December of 2021. So we're we're just over a year old. And at all times, uh, we've been around two to three members, which is which is pretty crazy, because um, we're we're, I'm not trying to flex here, but then we're just (laughs) about to hit our 1 million page views a month number, which is, which is such a huge achievement for us. We're 100% Mm -hmm. focused on publishing new content. And so the team itself, uh, myself included, it's two editors focused on content SEO and one person dedicated to offsite SEO. Uh, we do have a few uh, folks that help us in terms of one-off or like every now and then we get audits done, uh, but that's just to support mm-hmm. the content SEO efforts that we do. And then every uh, the writers that we work with are all freelance writers that we source from various different places. And yeah, that that's the, that's the content team at Aura. Very cool. Um... So that, yeah, that's that's a great setup, and I think it makes sense to kind of focus those those areas in house and then leverage writers um, to support that. Can you give some context? So like a million um, a month is is definitely an awesome milestone. Um, just for anyone listening, like any context on the stage that Aura was at when you joined, um, and even maybe just down to some of the more nerdy stuff around like. Uh, I don't know any sort of like domain authority or amount of content that already existed or um, any of that kind of stuff, just to kind of paint a, a little more detail around kind of what it was like when you started that at, you said December, 2021. Sure. Um, I think to start from the beginning, uh, Aura is not a B2B company. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a direct consumer identity theft protection and online safety company. And also my first direct to consumer company. I've never worked at a B, um, non-B2B company before this. Um, and coming from that background and going into a setup like this, I was pretty astonished to see that, especially in the online scam space, the kind of volumes and uh, you know just the, the sheer number of scams out there that require up-to-date content, recommendations, instructions on trying to get your money back once you get scammed. It, mm-hmm. It's quite overwhelming, really. It's great from a marketing standpoint because you've got so many more opportunities to try and help your users or potential users. But also just as a human being, it's 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 tough because there's so much, so, you know, so much fraud going around. Um, having said that, the, there was no organic SEO team. Like I said, there, we yeah. had brand teams and we still do PR team, product marketing teams, um, acquisition team, et cetera. But there was no one dedicated team focused on creating search-driven, useful content that could also drive signups. And when that 
team or the idea of that team uh, came about uh, just a little over a year ago. Um, the goal was to create an Aura blog that could drive traffic and we didn't have any blog posts of zero. We started from scratch, from zero. The domain was still strong because of all the brand efforts and different influencer programs that we've tried. We partner up with a bunch of close to hundreds of different, um, you know, really good, large audience uh, size YouTube channels, other influencers. Uh, we recently signed on um, Robert Downey Jr. as one of our board members and investors on a multi-year uh, mm. you know, endorsement with Aura. And so this is to say that the brand itself uh, was already very strong. Um, not nearly as some of the, you know, not nearly huge as some of the other companies out there, but still, and I'm saying in comparison to McAfee or Kaspersky, but sure. R was still known in the identity theft protection space. And we had an amazing opportunity to try and increase our organic traffic uh, outside of uh, branded terms. And that's why yep. this thought came in. And so we started from ground zero. And yeah. it was amazing okay. building it up from there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a pretty solid run. Um, in what, probably what, 14, 15 months, something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, well, hi, so you were B2B before, uh, and next Tiva, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that, and like you said, you know, advising with Gong, like, um, what's maybe some additional thoughts on just kind of the difference in your experiences between B2B and B2C outside of higher search volumes, um, on some of those topics? I think uh, just producing content has become easier, I guess. And I I, didn't, I never really gave this much thought or credit before I moved from B2B to direct-to-consumer. I think it's just because, especially within the identity theft and online fraud space, there's so much real data that's, update, that's getting updated almost on a monthly or quarterly basis from FTC, FBI, FCC so many different consumer bureaus out there that's producing real data. Uh, so it's very easy for you to find information that's useful and you can keep refreshing your data, which is which is a huge problem in B2B because mm -hmm. unless the Gartners or a different you know large um, entity is producing um, research with other large companies, it's tough to get your hands on uh, fresh data. And you know, search volume aside, um, I think this is probably the first time in my life that I'm creating content that could potentially change someone's life mm. because you, know, you the kind of visits that we get and the time on page that we have, uh, I've never seen time on page like this. It's nearly 10 minutes. Wow. And, yeah. uh, and that's not just on our long content, you know, it hovers around 2,500 words, um, each of these posts that we publish. And that's not just for the sake of hitting certain keywords or anything. That's just, that's just the you know, how much you need to go in depth to talk about describing sure. a scam, what the symptoms might be, how to look out for warning signs, um, and what you need to do as next steps if you were scammed, and then how to report it, and then finally viewing in how Aura might help. And yep. so, it's just a, it's a whole lot more rewarding than having yeah. what B to B. But I cannot underestimate. Obviously, I picked up SEO and learning how to work with content marketing while I was in B2B. And it's it's really fascinating to use those practices and bring it into the D2C side. Yeah, very cool. The So maybe we'll kind of start to bring us back to the content teams um, topic a bit. Uh, any differences 
when you were at Nextiva and like what that content team looked like um, and like maybe any learnings from that experience that you brought into how you've built the team at Aura? Sure. I think um, one of the main things that we realized over time, uh, especially having worked with Nextiva and then Freshworks and Sales Hacker before then, yeah. was we experimented with a lot of different team sizes. And um, just for context, when I was at Freshworks, I worked on a team, the marketing team itself, I, I, I can't even begin uh, to guess what the size of the marketing team could be right now, but back then it was 200 people and at least 50 different content marketers. And right now I'm working with two other people who are focused on SEO and um, organic content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nextiva was an in-between an in place where there was so much more impetus to spend on content marketing because acquisition was harder. Uh, I guess that's the way to put it because we yeah. needed to work on acquiring more links intentionally, work on more affiliate partnerships, uh, try to work out more brand partnerships for content, uh, get you know get to work on uh, guest posts, etc. Because producing content and then make it making it stick and getting conversions from content was a lot harder. Uh, that's just the way I guess B two B is structured. Um, yeah. Whereas in the aura space or in the direct consumer space it's so much easier for us to produce content because of those same things that i mentioned because before we have a solid foundation with all that amazing data that's authoritative and already out there we've already experimented with different team sizes and what they can do and in ours case it was very easy and i i worked with some of the people that i worked with in the past as well and so it was easy for us to figure out uh, with all that historical context and say these are the only two types of people that we need right now, which is two highly effective operators on the content side who are able to get the big picture mm-hmm. uh, and, a- and are able to do everything from target keywords, putting that into context with the product, building out outlines, assigning it to writers, managing feedback, all that fun stuff, getting into the editorial queue, um, working with the line editors, getting it into the CMS publishing, yep. internal linking, promotions, and then offset SEO work. And we didn't, so I guess in our case, the advantage was that we had all these people in the room who already knew what we needed to do mm-hmm. and knew exactly the people that needed to get it done, uh, which is why we're able to maintain this lean team size. And that's the difference. It's just, we've all, I guess, my friends from Nextiva that we work together at Aura and we're just able to bring together just the core operators. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I, um, I definitely personally aligned with that a lot because that's actually uh very much how we ran it at sprout we had one person like yourself that was sort of leading the the strategy and, and figuring out where to focus and and just you know all of that aspect of it and then we had two folks in-house who were doing very much what you're saying coordinating with freelancers doing the research on topics building outlines coordinating with publishing all that stuff and it and it worked really well um yeah, it's pretty small footprint. I mean, the by the time I left, I mean, the marketing team was 70, 80 people. And, you know, we had a million visits a month at a, you know, B2B company uh, and a substantial amount of revenue from that same model of kind of uh, someone leading a strategy, two folks on the team, and then freelancers. So um, that's it awesome. Works. And yeah, and obviously it's, it's grown really, really quickly for you, which is cool. Um, with that, so obviously it's not like a big team um, that you have like you know a bunch of layers and 
all kinds of management, but just still would love to understand anything you've learned about like creating process um, or like communication within the team and just, and maybe it's not even just within the, the content team, uh, but marketing team in general would be helpful to understand what you've learned. Yeah. Um, I just did a little subtext on that is uh, I intentionally aspire to be a senior individual contributor. I don't think I'd make a very good manager uh, at mm -hmm. all. Uh, and it, it's great to be in a position where I don't need to manage someone's career or uh, trajectory, but working with working with different components of the team, whether that's cross-functionally within the company or within my own team with my two other co-workers and partners mm -hmm. uh, or with the tens of freelancers that we work with. So things can get messy really fast if we're not good at keeping tabs on what's been assigned and what's ready, what what needs to be moved ahead. How do we communicate these um, improvements, changes, ongoing work uh, throughout the company so that we're not just seen as three people who are doing something very new and alien to the company and there's no historical context on whether or not organic SEO works. And even mm -hmm. within, because we're so focused on execution, without intentional communication, it just feels like we lack a strategy. And so I feel any leeway I get uh, for not having to manage people, that all that effort goes into making sure I'm juggling these three pieces really well. And uh, I, I should probably get an endorsement from, uh, or <laughs> I should endorse Asana at this point because I talk about Asana all the time, but that's where all, all of our content production lives. And without Asana, I feel like we would just crumble. And our entire content ops is on Asana. And we've got different boards, writers, different boards to see uh, where our content is at every stage. And uh, the entire aura team has visibility into what the three of us are doing at all times. And so a lot of the communication is nonverbal. And it's yeah. very easy to say at any point that this is what's lined up. And we work on uh, biweekly sprints. Um, yeah, so it, communication is, is communication, no matter up, down, or at the same level. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really... Really smart, and I and it, that's a great point around. I think you mentioned, um, you didn't say trust, but it's sort of along those lines of like, um, you lose, tr you can, you can lose trust or or something like that credibility if your process and things are just kind of all over the place and um, isn't clear what you're doing. So I I think that's um, really interesting perspective on that. Um, and I like a sentence yeah, I would say it just I, the, the kind of communications that we're working to have at Aura is nonverbal because everything is uh, is a well-oiled engine. We've got um, a process that works. We've got check-ins that have a formula, so we don't need to ramble on about things that are just ideas or strategy. Uh, but things yeah. we'll put in place to make sure that this is what we get done in the next ten days. These are the results from things that we've done in the past ten days, and this is what you can expect in the next ten days. Cool. So that's the format you use specifically, yeah. or was that an example? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, and then how do you think about where, where and how content teams fit inside of the overall marketing team? Um, like kind of seen all kinds of examples um, in my experience. So you kind of have like search content, is separate from brand content or, or thought leadership. And then you obviously have things like, um, well, especially on the, the B2B side, like product marketing and, um, you know, all kinds of different factors. So I'd just love any of your thoughts on kind of how and where you see content teams 
fitting in? Um, it's been different with every company that I've worked at and content served very different purposes. With, with uh, Freshworks, it was mostly branded content that I was working on and uh, closely aligned with product marketing. And the main vision there was to educate customers, not so much acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, even on the brand side, uh, at least within the team that I worked at. And at Sales Hacker, the content was our breadwinner. Uh, we were a sales media company, then got later acquired by Outreach. Uh, what we did every day was simply content in many different forms. And mm-hmm. so it was the community, it, and it's what drove the entire business. With Nextiva, it was part, again, um, in a very traditional B2B sort of way, content did what it's supposed to do, all the way from content acquisition down to conversions. And at Aura, we're at an interesting space because this is a function that didn't exist. And so nobody knew what it could or could not do. And the nice thing about being at Aura, I guess, is the fact that people were open to seeing what organic SEO could do for the business. And, um, you know, we don't intentionally look too ahead. And so I'm not a big fan of uh, H1, H2 planning or um, rigid content calendars or anything like that. And so I was pretty astounded to see this number a few uh, weeks ago when we had our town hall was the fact that our traffic had grown nearly 5,000%. And even today, weeks later, when I'm chatting with you, that's grown even more. And mm-hmm. so looking back, like starting from about 11,000 uh, page views to now reaching sub 1 million, um, it's pretty surreal. And how that how content works for Aura, at least from an organic search perspective, is to get more traffic, is to generate awareness around, um, you know, in a very crowded market with incumbents that are so strong, um, that have very strong uh, presence in, in the antivirus space and the VPN space. And we're trying to uh, create a name for Aura, which is about overall family protection. And mm-hmm. it's nice to be that one source of uh, traffic as well as conversions, however small it is. It's nowhere near how we'd you know, like it to be, but uh, to be one of the acquisition channels with the least customer acquisition cost. And yeah. At Aura, especially because of the kind of money that we spend on influencer marketing and brand outreach, organic SEO will always be one of those uh, small ticket items in terms of CAC, which is a great place to be at. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one one last uh, question around kind of the content teams within the context of marketing or even just the company. Um, it can be really easy when you're you kind of have this like, search focused objective um to get maybe a bit more on an island like put yourself on an island because you're just kind of looking for the opportunities and um in making your plans and building your roadmaps and, and everything how do you how do you think about like pulling your head up or, or aligning with other parts of the team to make sure that everything you're building for that content is still sort of staying in line with uh all broader marketing and, and the positioning and objectives and all that. Like, how do you keep that alignment? Yeah, I feel like sometimes I'm, <laughs> I repeat myself because, but I'm not doing that, like, uh, I guess, unintentionally. Uh, the, the reality is that unlike with B2B topics where you have to get creative with the ways that you need to inject your product and find sneaky ways to include CTAs, that's just not the case uh, with Aura. Uh, if you're if if you get a dark web alert or if your SSN was stolen or uh, if you 
if you see a hard inquiry on your credit report that you don't recognize, one of the many different ways that you can salvage the situation is one of the things that Aura offers. And so because of that and because of the proprietary reports that Aura publishes every now and then, or uh, the kind of channels that we say sponsor with YouTube, um, it's all a nice big ecosystem that feeds itself from one another. And so um, even say we're onboarding an influencer and they want to understand uh, our tone and style, um, the internal team, they point them to Aura's blog. Say we want to work on uh, earned media uh, or backlinks from a large publication. They want proprietary data. And so we point them to say the new report that we published about romance scams about a month ago or on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. So I think for the first time, it's it's really fun to see these different pods working together. Um, yeah. and just, it, it works. And because there's so much visibility and because the company's culture itself is very open, uh, we've got different channels that, that talk about how, say there's plenty of different channels, you know, where they're unfortunately news scams every day. So if that's, if something's trending, someone's already talking about it on the team, then my team looks into whether or not that's a potential topic we can talk about. Does it make sense from a search perspective? And then we're, as we're building the brief, talking to product marketing, asking, hey, can our password manager really do this? Or should we, are we better off not talking about this over here? And then, you know, injecting uh, stats from existing uh, proprietary data that we've published. So it's easier for us to get backlinks to it. So it works. It's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. I I think you, um, you hit on quite a few different ways that you're staying aligned. And even just the other folks in the company are pointing back and, and working to stay aligned with you. So I think that's that's really great. Um, before we shift into the, the second section, we'll kind of go over the, the final four questions. Anything else you want to just add or anything I didn't cover about building, scaling content teams? Yeah, I think that one thing that I've learned really quickly at Aura is it's okay to not do everything. Uh, my team's I would say 85% of the time we're focused on creating new content and make sure, making sure that our content is ranking and relevant and updating our content. And so that doesn't leave a lot of time for us to work on experiments to improve conversions or um, landing pages, for example. It's just not a priority at the top of our list right now. Yeah. Uh, it could change in the future. Maybe at some point we exhaust all of the different keywords that we can go after that's lucrative for us, etc. Or uh, we just don't want to spend as much money on net new content production. But in the meantime, what we've identified is best for us to do is divide and conquer. And so right now, it's our um, user acquisition team that's kind of working on ideas on how to improve conversions. It's small tests. It may or may not move the needle. But just the fact that there is someone working on it, even on a passive basis, is great to know. And that's because of that open communication that we have is saying, you know, we're going to be focusing on content production. If there is somebody else who can focus on making sure there were at least trying to monetize this traffic that we're getting. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Great advice. Um, so shifting now, we'll run through the same four questions we like to ask uh, all our guests on the podcast. Um, first one is, I think you maybe kind of touched on it, but I'll give you a chance to hit on a little bit more. Uh, just a recent success or learning that you'd like to share. I, I have to say the fact that we have the lowest CAC on the team, I wish I could say it out loud the number and uh, and the fact that, you know, we're, we're about to hit a million. Um, it's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great stat. And like you said, from December 2021 to now um, is 
is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then what role does content play in the overall strategy? Maybe just hit on a few few of those notes uh, throughout already, but again, just want to kind of give you a chance to, to speak to that more specifically. Yeah, it's just um, before we, we ever came around uh, onto the team, they were really mostly branded, I guess, two uh, categories. One was the branded content that was driving or branded search terms that were driving traffic to Aura, as well as a few um, head terms like identity theft protection, et cetera. But right now, if you look at our topical authority, which is really fun to look at every now and then, is we've expanded into um, not just identity theft protection, but SSN protection, credit monitoring and protection, uh, financial fraud protection, personal controls, antivirus, and a little bit of VPN. So just slowly over time, expanding that footprint is really interesting when the company hadn't done that intentionally before or uh, just didn't know how to do it. Yeah, very cool. And then how does your company define success for you and your team? Um, this, you know, just like with any other company, it comes down to conversions and revenue for us as well. And the way that we see cool. it is um, subscribers, enrollments, and uh, finally customer acquisition cost. The goal for us is to at least convert a person to 1% of the traffic that we're getting. And we're slowly making our way to it. We're seeing slight incremental changes uh, on a biweekly basis, which is great. But we're nowhere near that one, you know, one percent. But that keeps us humble and honest. And I'm excited to see like what we're gonna do in six months or, or a year. Yeah. Well, I mean, that stands out to me. If you said you're not actively like spending much time trying to go do a bunch of experiments and testing conversion you would think as your traffic keeps growing, that would sort of naturally be driving that percentage down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's interesting that it's, you're getting closer. Yeah. yeah. Which is why we're hoping this uh, collaboration with these other teams who do this every day um, from like other parts of the website, they're focused on enrollments and conversion and they're taking mm -hmm. lessons from that and trying to see how they can uh, use that with the, with the audience that we have that's focused on education. And cool. so sometimes it's validating thesis that we already know, which is that a blog reader does not want to pay uh, $12 a month to sign up for identity theft protection just yet. So what are the in-between conversion um, right. milestones we can think of? And what's easy among those milestones, what's easy to produce and what's easy to, or like what, what do we need to slate for next quarter? Things like that. Yeah. So it helps that there's someone actively thinking about that versus us it's on our mind, but it's on the back of our mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to stay sidetracked for a second before I get to the that uh, last of the four questions. Um, with that being the case with that team, um, are they actually running A/B tests? Given that you have so much traffic, that it's that it's possible. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I mean that, that that's awesome because it's I think the overwhelming majority of companies are not at a place where they have enough traffic. Right. To be able to do that. Uh, and I've had some experience doing that and it's, it really kind of unlocks a lot of insight and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it just came to mind since you clearly have plenty of traffic to be doing that. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then last question is what's your least favorite marketing conversation happening in social channels right now and why? At this point, I probably sound like every other person out there, but it's, it's AI, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> people, I, I, I open LinkedIn and Twitter and everyone's talking about how 
the different 500 different ways you can input prompts to get better results and i don't know a thousand different combinations and permutations of that combi you know conversation and i i also see other people talking about how they can use ai for programmatic seo and my i guess my problem with that is no one's proven whether or not the traffic that you might or the audience you might get from ai content is sustainable and scalable mm -hmm. we just don't have data on that yet and so it's too early to say whether or not ai is gonna kill a bunch of jobs or replace writers or anything like that i've tried to we're not actively experimental with it but at least on the side just to see what it's about try to use um you know chat gpd for a bunch of things and outside of filling blanks and not a blank page, it, it can't do much. And right now, that, and so that that's, it, it irks me. I have I'm new to multiple conversations. I'm waiting for one Bible to come that mm -hmm. says, okay, mm -hmm. here are the actual proven tested ways. And we've looked at it for 12 months and here's how you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I personally get excited with new technology developments and just sort of like, uh, all the possibilities. And so I'm very excited about AI and been spending quite a bit of time with it, but similar to you and funny enough, most guests we've had on, you know, in the last few months, like the AI, it's just the, the hype cycle and like the overnight experts and, and all that stuff that just really, um, makes it hard to even try and tune in. And I 100% agree with your point that yes, even if you have, this, you know, series of prompts and you can create content and there is still a human element to it and all that. Like we, yes, we just like going all in on that. You may get traffic now, but the question of where does that go? Clearly, you know, Google within being the, you know, a primary search engine has a good understanding of AI on their own. And so does that mean there's a big algorithm update? you know, in six, nine months that wipes out a bunch of that or whatever. And then the last piece is just, there's still at the end of the day, the need to have good, like a unique perspective, create something that's meaningful to the user that they actually spend time reading, like all these other, you know, helpful content aspects to it that um, are still necessary just because an AI can do it doesn't mean that it, it should. So yeah, what totally I totally agree. <laughs> I'm excited too, and I'm, which is why I, you know, dabbled with it. But I guess uh, one of the things that I noticed was some of our writers, or just a couple, not not a lot, uh, when drafts were coming in, uh, and we have got to a point where we needed to run it through um, one of those like AI content checkers, and we're seeing content getting flagged. And even before we run it through those checkers, you're able to see that some of it is sounding robotic and long. Mm -hmm. and, it's not their usual style. And, and to me, that's very disheartening because yeah. there's opportunity to use AI to make your copy better, but using AI to make your copy worse is just counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you could identify so many different spots that you've probably missed or uh, finding sources. I mean, again, I went down that rabbit hole. I don't know if you've tested it or not. Um, I try to find... Um, reputed source and I fed it into the prompt saying, okay, look for sources from FTC or FCC or um, 
INETH Protection Center, et cetera, and um, ChatGPT returned four or five different URLs, which were just invented. They were all mm -hmm. leading to broken pages. And so I just kind of gave up. And I guess yeah. all this is to say that this is still very much work in progress. And I'm excited for all, at least like all the Google Docs improvements that we're going to see. I haven't really tested out most of them. I'm excited about that um, and how they've rolled uh, you know, GPT-4 into Google's workspace. But yeah, everything yeah. else is a work in progress and it'll be fun. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, so much to come in the the rest of this year and, and beyond. So totally agree. Uh, but before we jump off, uh, we'd love to let people find uh, you, Aura, and be able to connect in any way. So anything you want to share, how they can connect with you? Yeah, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I don't post as much as I used to before, but if anyone wants to chat about something they've heard on this podcast or just curious about Aura, happy to chat on LinkedIn or Twitter. Awesome. All right, Olina, thanks so much for joining. It was great chatting to you today about all kinds of stuff. Congrats on the, the growth so far and look forward to, to seeing where it goes from here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. And uh, yeah, any anything else uh, from here, any prior episodes, uh, please feel free to visit 10speed.io slash podcast and uh, like and subscribe on your platform of choice. Thanks, Alina. <laughs>